Our text this morning is uh, beginning in Matthew chapter 6. We'll go ahead and read that together from the board. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Father, as we come to you once again this morning, I praise you for all that you are doing in our church. I praise you for all you're doing in our lives. I praise you for every aspect of your word and the truths that we're gonna talk about this morning. Lord, that you are a God who, when we seek you with all of our hearts, we will find you. And we will do so because you have already found us. And so, Father, I ask this morning that we would be pursuing you, that we would be motivated to pursue you with all of our hearts and all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our might. Or the greatest measure of love of what we, is what we pursue. And so may we love you more because your mercy has been so great to us. May we behold you in your grace. May we behold Christ on the cross and understand that he who has given his own son for us while we were yet sinners will now faithfully and graciously and generously give us all things that you have promised. So Lord, I ask for your time, for your word to be clear. Help me to express it clearly. And ultimately, Father, move me out of the way that your people may pursue you greater. It is in your name we pray, amen. You may be seated and uh, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew 6 if you want in your copy of the word of God. But really, in all honesty, uh, we're gonna be spending the majority of our time this morning in Isaiah 58. So we're gonna be uh, really filling a lot of holes this morning on fasting. Uh, Isaiah 58, if you wanna turn there, if you're using the Bible located in the pew in front of you, you can find that on page 734 in the Bible in the pew in front of you, or Isaiah chapter 58. So uh, a couple weeks ago, you may remember I was preaching a passage of uh, scripture talking about how so oftentimes the biggest temptation in our lives is to is to give up what is best and settle for what is only good. And, and we, we talked about that in the context of, of looking for the praise of others as opposed to having the recognition of God in our pursuit of holiness and our, and our righteous deeds. And, I, and I, you may remember I gave the example of something that happened. Uh, Roxanne was out with the, with the, with the ladies, uh, goodwilling, basically across all of the state of Arkansas. And she wanted to go on a date that night. Well, um, she was getting kind of late and I didn't think that uh, she would be back in time. And so I ate a, so I went ahead and ate a cheeseburger 
And, uh, and then she gets home and she still wants to go on the date and we go to like my favorite steakhouse in town. And so, uh, didn't really work out well for me. You may remember that. Well, after that sermon, um, and I, and I alluded to that story several times in the sermon. And after that sermon, I was rebuked by a gracious brother who is not with us this morning, but he said, please do not ever talk about food that much in your sermon again. <laughs> so, uh, especially if you're going to preach as long as you do, please don't spend the whole time talking about food because I am starving now. And so, um, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but this morning we're going to be talking about food. And so, um, so I do apologize for that. But in Matthew chapter six, uh, just kind of starting off there, you remember we have been talking about pursuing holiness in a genuine way, the disciples' sincerity And we've been talking about these three examples that Christ has given. He's given the example of generosity. He's given the example of prayer. And we talked about that for a couple weeks. And then we had a a week where our Gideon uh, uh, spokesman came and spoke with us. And now this morning, he's going to give the third example, which is the example of fasting. And once again, he's only going to talk about it for um, a a couple of verses. And so the whole point, once again, and you've seen this point, and so uh, we're not going to really belabor this point because by now you understand this, that the whole point of this entire section is, Matthew 6, 1, that you are not to practice your righteousness in a way that gives you the attention from other people. In other words, we do not practice our righteousness in such a way that, earn, that gives us glory from others, but our goal is to commune with Jesus Christ, to commune with God through the disciplines that he has given us, the means of grace that he has given us in his word. And he makes the same point about fasting in, in, uh, in verse 16. He says, when you fast, don't mess up your hair, don't, don't crawl around in the dirt, don't make your face all dirty and and uh, we have some sources that say that every time a Pharisee fast, which was every Monday and Wednesday, essentially, uh, or maybe it was Tuesday and Thursday, I can't remember, it was one of those two, but every time they would do it, we have some sources that say that some Pharisees would just walk around town going, oh, oh, and just call so much attention to themselves. Basically, you always knew when a Pharisee was fasting. You always knew when a religious leader was fasting in that day. And Jesus says, just like he did in other places, they have their reward. They are paid in full. And no matter what you are doing, if you are doing so in order to gain attention from people, to get the attention on you, then that's all you get. That's all there is. And this can be a very subtle deception because oftentimes, just like the religious leaders did, oftentimes we can mistake the praises of men, we can mistake the adoration and the accolades of people as thinking that that is God's pleasure with us. And that is a deadly miscalculation. That is a deadly miscalculation. Make sure that you are not practicing your holiness as a means to get the applause and get the attention of other people. And there's all kinds of subtle ways that we can do that. And so we've got to be careful. 
My goal this morning, my purpose then is to motivate you to seek the Lord intensely, to seek the Lord genuinely, sincerely, but this morning, as we're going to talk about, intensely seek the Lord. And my goal is hopefully to encourage you to give fasting a try. It's not something that we often talk about in churches today. In fact, to take a one drive down St. Louis Avenue and see all the food signs everywhere, to look at the food network, to see all the food signs uh, on Harrison, you would think if we don't get three squares a day, we're just gonna starve. And yet, um, Jesus is encouraging us to have kind of a different point of view. And so what are we talking about here when we talk about fasting? There's a, there's a lot of people that talk about fasting in terms of like, like, for instance, kind of a, kind of a Lenten idea that uh, says, well, I'm going to give up soda this week, or I'm going to give up, I heard one lady say one time, she's going to give up her soap operas this week. Uh, I heard uh, another person talk about how they're going to give up meat and they're just going to eat veggies, or I'm going to give up coffee, or I'm going to give up all those things. And, and I want you to understand that there is biblical precedent for that. There, uh, the Bible does talk about, especially in 1 Corinthians 7, in the context of a marital relationship, there is, pre- there is precedent for abstaining from something that you take pleasure in that is, that is given to you in order to seek the Lord for, a, for an intense time. And so I'm not belittling those things, but, but when the Bible talks about fasting, we are primarily talking about fasting from food. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning is, is fasting from food. There is precedent for the others, but... It is essentially fasting from food. And, and, and really, if you want to talk about fasting here, we are essentially talking about a time of focused, intense self-denial to obtain a spiritual purpose or goal. Intense, focused self-denial in order to obtain a spiritual goal. That's what we're talking about. Now, intermittent fasting is kind of a rage today and people do that for weight loss, for health and and all of those things. Those things are valid, but that's not what we're talking about here. We are talking specifically about fasting for a spiritual purpose and intense time of focused self-denial for a spiritual purpose or goal. Why in the world would we do this to ourselves? And that's where we come to Isaiah 58. And that's where we're going to talk about what does fasting do and why we should do it. Again, in Isaiah 58, let me give you a little context here. Essentially, people are, the people of Israel are saying, God, I don't understand. We're, we're fasting. We're, we're, we delight to come hear from you. We delight to hear your law. We enjoy coming into your presence. And yet, the Lord says you're doing it for your own purposes. By the way, can you come to church for selfish reasons? Sure you can. Happens all the time. Even, in the, even, even on our best days, there can be selfish reasons why we come to church, right? Sure, we can do that. Can we practice spiritual uh, things, uh, spiritual practices in order to try to obtain selfish 
purposes. Yes, we can. You know, uh, one example I used a few weeks ago is when you're in a conflict with someone and you start trying to outpray them to kind of move God's scales toward your direction instead of the person you're in a conflict with, right? Have we done that before? <laughs> yeah, I think if we had, were honest, we could say we've done that a time or two. And so we can practice spiritual practices for selfish reasons. And that's why God says, specifically in verse four, look what he says here at the very end. He said, fasting like yours, fasting so that you can win a quarrel, specifically in this text, fasting so that you can do your own thing, so that you can oppress your workers, so that you can do all of this stuff. Fasting like yours will not make your voice heard on high. Fasting, seeking God to get your way will not make your voice heard by God. Understand, God is not your genie, ladies and gentlemen. You don't rub a lamp and get to name three wishes before God. He is God, he is sovereign, he is in control. Our, our goal is to be more like him, not to make him more like us. And so... Fasting like that will not be heard. So instead, we must genuinely seek the Lord. But, but when we talk about intensely seeking the Lord, what are we talking about here? Because oftentimes we say, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. And yet sometimes that phrase is so broad and so vague that we really don't know what we're talking about. Like, what does that look like in, in real life, in living flesh, if you will? And that's how this text is gonna help us out this morning. And so that when we intensely seek the Lord through fasting, we are essentially doing so, we're seeking the Lord with number one, godly motivations, and number two, for godly outcomes. So we intensely seek the Lord through fasting, and two aspects of that we're gonna see in this text is that we must fast for, with godly motivation, and we must fast for godly outcomes. And that is how we seek the Lord. And so let's begin in verse five. What does he say here? Number one, we must seek, in order to intensely seek the Lord through fasting, we must do so with godly motivations. With godly motivations. And what are some of those motivations we see here? He says here, beginning, and he says, this is this not the fast that I choose? And he says this two different times. Is such a day of fasting the one that I choose? Is this not the fast that I choose? And then he essentially says it again in verse seven. Is this not what I choose? And so the kind of fast that God is looking for, the kind of seeking him that God is looking for, he's going to enumerate in this text. He's going to show us here. And by the way, 1 Chronicles 16, 9, he says that the eyes of the Lord are roaming the earth to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him, whose heart for those who are seeking him with all of their heart. And so how do we do that? What are some of the godly motivations that we pursue in fasting. Number one, one, our first godly motivation would be to humble ourselves. 
to humble ourselves. Look in verse five. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble themselves? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Now understand that when he talks about being humble, he's not talking about just making ourselves miserable. That, that's what the Pharisees did. That's what the religious leaders and the hypocrites do. But instead, when he says that my goal in a fast is so that it will be a day to humble yourselves, it's so that you will become more aware of your total dependence upon God. Fasting in this way makes you more aware of your total dependence. I'm, I'm not gonna read it, but Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses two through three, you might wanna write that down later, but, but God tells the people of Israel to remember that when I took you through the wilderness, I put you through hardship, I made you feel hunger, I made you feel thirst, I made you go through all of this hardship. Why? To humble you so that you will know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so in a fast, we understand that we come to understand, humble ourselves, that we become more aware of our dependence upon God that we need him. It causes you to see parts of your heart that you otherwise will not see. Let me ask you a question. How many of you before have ever been hangry? You ever been hangry? <laughs> Do you tend to get a little irritable when you're hungry? Amen. Beloved, that irritableness is already in your heart. The only thing the hunger is doing is intensifying it. That's all it's doing. You see, the irritableness is already there in your heart, but the hunger, whatever is already in your heart, the hunger intensifies it and brings it out. And you become more aware of parts of your heart that are still unsanctified up to this point in your life. You become more aware of your dependence upon God. You become more aware of how you need him that hunger intensifies it. And that really brings us to the second motivation in verse six, that we will be cleansed from sin. Look what he says in verse six. Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Beloved, do you have sin that you cannot defeat? Do you have habits that you know are sinful that you cannot break? Do you get so angry and mad whenever things don't go your way politically? Do you get upset? Do you get mad at the world for acting like the world? You see, you see, fasting is a means by which we do holy war against the sin that is in our flesh, that is in our hearts. Now, in some instances, it may be removing yourself from the temptation completely. There's some people who need to do that in order to break the habit of sin. For example, if, if you're having trouble on the internet, maybe you need to get rid of your smartphone. Maybe you need to get rid of your computer. Maybe you need to completely go offline. Maybe you need to completely refrain from that. If you're having trouble with, with different areas in your life, it may be that you need to completely remove yourself from, from that temptation. 
If you're a struggling drunkard, if you're a struggling alcoholic, the last place you need to go is a bar. You may need to completely remove yourself from those things. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here, though it is included. But this is a more general, intense time of focused self-denial to help you learn how to do holy battle against a sin that is in your flesh, a sin that is in your heart. And so it's a day to cleanse sin. It's a day to make yourself more aware of your dependence upon God, to humble yourself and to be cleansed from sin. But then also number three, and and by the way, the first two are kind of spiritual, kind of deeper motivations, but fasting can actually be a very practical thing. It could be to share with others. It could be to share with others. Look at verse seven. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. You know, it could be very, it could be very practical. It could be a very practical thing. Like, for example, maybe some of you last week, uh, whenever you came and you heard the Gideons speak, maybe you decided, you know, instead of spending the normal uh, $50, $60, whatever it costs for me to go to the restaurant today after church, maybe instead I'm gonna skip that meal and that money that I would have spent for lunch, I'm gonna give that to the Gideons to publish Bibles. Maybe today you may decide, you know what, instead of spending the $60, $70 from my family to go to the restaurant, instead, I'm going to use that money, I'm gonna skip that meal, use that money and give it to our father's table so that maybe they can provide a couple extra meals this week on that money. It could be that you're walking into a restaurant at at your lunchtime and you see someone there who they're obviously in need and you decide, you know what, I don't need lunch today. Instead, I'm going to buy this person's meal instead. It can be a very practical thing. Let me ask you a question. Is that not pursuing God when we do something like that? Is that not showing his kindness? Is that not pursuing his kingdom? And so it doesn't have to be a deeply spiritual motivation. It could be a very practical motivation. Maybe you decide for this month, we're going to forego eating lunch at restaurants and the money we save, we're gonna send that forward to uh, Ryan Rainbolt in, in Mumbai, or maybe we're gonna send it to the Wyoming missions, or again, our father's table, the crisis pregnancy center, whatever it may be. That's a very legitimate means and a very legitimate motivation for a certain kind of fast. And so it can be a very practical thing, okay? The point is, is that fasting can accomplish all of these things for us. How can it do that? You see, Randy, how in the world can not eating do all of these things for us? Well, let me give you a couple of suggestions of how it works, okay? Number one, when the hunger pangs hit, and trust me, they will hit, our stomachs are spoiled brats. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) <laughs> spoiled brats. And when, the, when our stomachs start telling us, hey, you usually feed me by now, what's going on? That's a reminder. That's a reminder. Have you ever, asked, have you ever been asked by someone or committed to pray for someone for some need and you said, yes, I'm gonna pray for this every day and then maybe one or two days in, you kind of forgot It happens. It's happened to all of us, probably. Well, beloved, try fasting. Because when those hunger pangs hit, you think, man, I sure am hungry. Oh yeah, I'm praying 
for this purpose in the church, or I'm praying for this in my life. Your hunger serves you. Instead of your hunger controlling your day, your hunger reminds you to pray for whatever purpose you are serving, whatever purpose you are fasting for. So that's one way it helps you. Number two, sin always involves temptation. Sin always involves urges. And by training yourself, when those hunger pangs hit and you are training yourself to resist those urges, and trust me, sometimes they become very big urges. But by training yourself to resist those physical urges, guess what you're also training yourself to do? To resist temptation. It's the same, it's the same willpower. It's the same spiritual power that's needed. It's the same help that you need in dependence. When you feel those hunger pains and it reminds you to pray for cleansing of the sin, you are training yourself, first of all, to resist those urges. And number two, you're training yourself that the second you feel those urges, you go to prayer. And so fasting is an incredible way to grow in the Lord. Amen? Do you see the connections there? And so that's how I can help you. It's not, it's not just forsaking food for the sake of forsaking food or, or, or you know, marking something off your list. It is to intensely deny yourself for a time of intense focus to pursue the Lord in some godly motivation in order to find a godly outcome. And that's the second part we see here that if we're going to intensely focus, if we're going to intensely seek the Lord through fasting, we must do so for godly outcomes. We're looking for godly outcomes. And, and what are some of those things? What does God say? How does God say? God says, this is the fast I choose. And when you are seeking these things, here is how I will respond. Don't you want to know that? And so what does he say here? He says, number one in verse eight, he says, spiritual renewal, spiritual renewal. Look what he says. He says, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily and your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of Yahweh shall be your rear guard. That's an incredible verse. That's an incredible verse because think about it. When you choose to go your own way, when you choose to ignore God, think about it. You're choosing to walk in darkness. You're choosing the disease of sin. You're choosing defeat. And you're choosing separation. And God says, when you seek me in this way, when you seek me with these motivations, instead of walking in darkness, your light will break forth like the dawn. Instead of being, instead of disease, you will have healing. Now I'm not necessarily talking about spiritual healing, but, but you will have healing in your soul. You will find spiritual healing for the disease of sin. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. I love that passage because you know what he's saying in modern vernacular? God's got your back. God's got your back. 
And so divine protection. Do you realize every time you sin, every time you choose to ignore God, you are taking yourself out of God's protection. I'm not saying you're gonna lose your salvation. We know you won't do that. But on the other hand, it may be that you're opening yourself up to the chastisement of God. And so he protects you. We have light, we have healing, and the glory of God has your back. And so we find spiritual renewal, a a godly outcome of fasting. Number two, in verse nine, the first part, effective prayer. Effective prayer. Look what he says in verse nine. Then you shall call and Yahweh will answer. Do you long for a deeper prayer life? Do you long for a more effective prayer life? You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. Do you feel like you are separated from God? Do you feel like that fellowship has been broken? Do you feel like your spiritual life is just, is just dried up? And, and when you pray, it just feels like you're, you're praying to the ceiling and no further. And you wonder, why are my prayers not as effective as someone else's? First of all, don't compare yourself to others. But number two, let me ask you this. If you're longing for a deeper prayer life, have, have you considered fasting? Have you considered pursuing it with fasting? Have you considered that? James chapter five, verse 16. And I love the way the, the, the NASB and the, and the newer update, the Legacy Standard Bible, it translates it this way. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. You say, I, I've read that verse a hundred times, but I've never experienced it. Let me ask you this. Have you ever considered fasting to pursue an answer to a prayer? Have you ever considered that? Just a question. And so effective prayer. Number three, effective ministry. Effective ministry. Look at the rest of verse nine into 10. He says, if you take away the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger and spreading wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. He's speaking here of how the nation was meant to function under the law. And he's talking about how when the nation pursued righteousness and holiness, that they were a light to the Gentiles. And beloved, when the church is operating the way that God intends it to, we are a lighthouse for the lost. We are a lighthouse for the community. We are a lighthouse for those who are, we become a hospital for sinners, This is not a museum of saints, beloved. There there are far too many saint museums in this community. We don't need any more. We need a hospital for sinners. Don't get mad at the world when they act like the world. Don't turn the mission field into your battlefield. Don't get so wrapped up fighting for the cause that you forget to find those who are caught by the sin and show them the light of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we want to do? 
Have you longed for our church to be more effective? Have you longed for our baptistry to be wet? Have you longed for our, our ministries to be warm and to provide healing and refreshment to those who are carried away by sin? Have you longed for that? Have you considered fasting for it? Have you considered fasting for it? Intense time of focused self-denial so that God may increase our ministry. You know, the results of ministry are up to Jesus Christ. He's sovereign over that. People ask me all the time, Randy, how are you, how are you gonna grow the church? Jesus says, I will build my church upon this foundation. I'm not trying to grow the church. I don't wanna compete with Jesus. And so... But beloved, that doesn't mean that we can't pray, that we can't long for greater effectiveness in ministry, that we cannot pursue effective ministry. How do we do that? It's amazing. And this isn't in my board. In fact, it, I didn't even think about it. But look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Timothy, not Thessalonians. Chapter, First uh, Timothy, chapter four. It's amazing in all the church growth seminars that I've ever attended, of all the the evangelism conferences I've ever attended. It's amazing. One of the one of one of the only verses in the Bible that talks about church growth is never actually brought up. And he says here in verse 16, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. How do we grow in our effectiveness for ministry? By growing more in love with Jesus Christ, by pursuing him more, by intimately and intensely focusing on him. Not our programs. Not whatever generations are present in our church. Not whatever preferences we have, but by beholding our God. If a man can build it, a man can tear it apart. If you're building on programs, those programs are gonna go out of date. If you're building on anything of the world, it's gonna fail eventually. But if, you're believing, but if you're depending and if you're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ, beloved, the gates of hell will never prevail against it. That's why we focus on him and him alone. Totally lost my place. That's why uh, preaching professors tell you not to do that. All right, so moving on. Have we sought the Lord with that kind of intensity? Have we sought him with that level of intense self-denial? Have you considered fasting for effectiveness in ministry? Number three, or whatever number I'm on, I've lost count. In verse 11 of Isaiah, it says, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. He will provide you guidance. 
He talks about that unspeakable joy, that, that joy unspeakable and full of glory that we can have. You say, Randy, I've sang that song a thousand times. I've never really experienced it. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever sought the Lord with this kind of intensity? Have you ever pursued the Lord through fasting for these motivations and these outcomes? Have you ever sought the Lord in this way? Joy unspeakable, full of glory, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. Randy, I don't have peace this morning. I haven't had peace in a long time. Have you considered fasting? Have you considered pursuing the Lord with this kind of intensity, with this kind of self-denial? And then finally, restoration. Look at verse 12. He says, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and shall, call, shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Now, this passage is specific to Israel and the rebuilding of Jerusalem the rebu- after, after the Babylonian captivity, the, the rebuilding of the city. But beloved, the promise of restoration is there in the New Testament for us. The promise that our broken lives can be restored. The promise that those broken relationships can find healing. Those promises that I've wrecked my life with sin. I've messed up. I have, I have gone too deep. I've gone too far. Jesus says, you can be restored. You can be restored. And beloved, in a world now, of course, it was always true. It was always true. But now especially, we need to be known as a people of restoration. We need to be known as a people who have the ministry of reconciliation. Beloved, it is not gonna do the world any good if they walk into our church and they find the same kind of mudslinging, the same kind of character assassination, the same kind of all of that stuff that they find out in the world. It is not gonna do them any good to walk in our church and that's what they find. If they see you on Facebook belly aching because things are not the way you want them, They're gonna look at you and say, you are no different. I have no interest in your church. That's not gonna do them any good. We need to be a people of reconciliation. We need to be a people of restoration. We need to be a people who are peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Are you in a conflict with someone? Have you considered fasting? Have you considered, are you in need of restoration of something in your life? You've sinned and and something in your life is broken. Have you considered fasting? Have you considered that intense measure of seeking the Lord? Paul warns the church not to be involved with ungodly philosophies, ungodly methods, ungodly things that sure they look attractive, but they're of no use to the sanctification of your soul. And he talks about those who, warning them in verse 19 of chapter two, he says, not the, the problem with these things is that they are not holding fast to the head who is Jesus Christ from whom the whole body grows with a growth that is from God. Is that not the growth we want? A growth 
that is from God. I don't want a growth from programs. Programs come and go. I don't want to depend on fads, whether they're the fads of today or the fads of 100 years ago. I could care less. Fads come and go. But the word of the Lord will stand forever, and that's what we build our church on. We build it upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't this what we want? Isn't this what we're looking for? I pray it is. So, beloved, this morning, if we're going to seek the Lord, we must seek him with godly motivations and seek him for godly outcomes. And I pray this morning that you will begin to seek the Lord intensely this week, that you will start to seek him intensely, effectively, uh, focused intensity on seeking the Lord and pursuing him with all of your heart. That's my goal. I hope to motivate you. I hope I have. I hope to motivate you to do that this week. And maybe some of you, maybe try doing it through fasting. Maybe try doing it through fasting. Let me give you a couple of helps to help you do that. Number one, start small. Don't try a 40-day fast right away. Don't try that. But for 12 or 24 hours, in fact, I don't even suggest beginning in the morning and trying to go all day. I would say go from lunch to lunch the next day. 24 hours. Eat lunch at 12 o'clock one day and don't eat again until 12.30 the next day. Just try a 24-hour fast. And don't try it from morning to evening. Divide up your days like that. That's, that's the easiest way to start, Okay. Number two, and and this is important, not everyone can do a full fast, okay? If you are diabetic, if you are hypoglycemic, if you are pregnant, or if you're elderly, it's probably not a good idea to try a full fast, okay? But here's what you can do. You can talk to your doctor, and you can ask the question, What is the fewest amount of calories I can safely eat? And when he gives you that number, don't go over that number, okay? Chances are you go over that number a lot, okay? I know I do. So find out what's the fewest amount of calories you can safely eat and don't go over that number. The point is, is that you will feel hunger, but you will feel it safely, okay? And so when you feel that hunger, it reminds you to seek these motivations and to seek these outcomes. Number three, have a clear purpose. Don't just fast to fast. That'll get you nowhere. But have a clear reason why you are fasting. And then number four, and this we find in our text in Matthew 6, keep it as secret as possible. You're not gonna be able to keep it totally secret, okay? Because uh, if uh, your spouse is gonna wonder why you're not eating, all right? Especially if you're not eating their cooking. So, uh, So they're gonna need to know that. Keep it as secret as possible. But absolute secrecy is probably not gonna be possible. So just, so just keep that in mind. So as secret as possible. Beloved Matthew, in chapter nine, Jesus 
is approached by the, uh, the disciples of John and he says, why do we fast? Why do the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus says that you can't really fast while the bridegroom is here, but one day the bridegroom will be taken away. And at that point, they will fast. Beloved, Jesus does expect his followers to fast. But it's not a commandment. It's not a commandment. And I believe the reason why is because God knows our bodies and he knows that if you're one of those people who cannot fast, a full fast, I want you to understand that it is not, you are not sinning by not being able to do that, okay? But if you're able to do a full fast, you ought to. If you're able to do a fast, you ought to. But beloved, the real question is not whether we fast or not, whether we've ever fasted or not. I dare say if I was to do a show of hands, and I'm not going to, but I dare say if I was to do a show of hands and ask how many of you in this room have ever fasted, I know, I know some of you would because we've taught this in our Sunday school class and small groups before and, and you've tried it. But I think under normal circumstances, the majority of us would not be able to raise our hands and that's okay. That's not what we're asking, okay? The real question is not whether or not you have fasted. The real question is, have you sought the Lord with this kind of intensity? Have you sought, are you pursuing God with this kind of focus? Are you denying self and pursuing God with this kind of focus and intensity? Whether you are earnestly, intensely seeking the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength, that's the question. It's not whether or not you fasted but it's whether or not you are seeking God. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. That's the first and greatest commandment. And that's my question this morning, is are you being faithful to that? Whether you fasted or not is a secondary issue. Whether you're seeking God with all of your heart, that's the first and greatest issue we have this morning. And so I'm gonna close with that. Are you seeking the Lord? Are you pursuing him with godly motivation for godly outcomes? And if not, maybe that's something you need to correct this morning. You can start this morning. You don't have to come down to the, to the front to do so. You can begin right where you are. If you want one of us to pray with you, maybe you don't want me to pray with you, maybe you want your Sunday school teacher to pray with you or your small group leader or your friend, whatever it may be. Maybe this morning you need to make a commitment to seek the Lord this week. What will you do differently this week to pursue the Lord that you didn't do last week? That's the real question. So beloved, I pray that we will seek the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our soul, for that is the measure of true love. That is how we determine whether we truly love God. Father, we thank you for these truths. I thank you for these challenges. And as I've looked at them in my heart this week, as I've studied and prepared for this message, I've I've definitely seen that I am not pursuing you as intensely as I ought 
Lord, that my heart is so often drawn to other things, drawn to distraction, drawn to just all kinds of things that maybe they're good, but they're not the best. Father, I pray that we will pursue you intensely. Lord, that whether we are able to fast or not, whether we choose to fast or not, but Lord, that we will take a time this week to intensely focused, self-denial, seek you. And Father, I pray that that desire would be strong in our hearts, that we would want this because we truly want you more than anything else in this world. Father, there may be those who are struggling with sin. There may be those who are struggling with, with they're just not as, as passionate toward you as they should be. There may be those this week that run into people who are, who are hungry, who are in need of help. Lord, may we choose to practice self-denial so that we may truly pursue you with all of our hearts. Free us from our deception Free us from our selfishness. And Lord, help us to know you more. That can only be done through the gospel. And if there's one here this morning who does not have the gospel in their lives, who does not know Jesus Christ as their savior, Lord, may they pursue you this morning for the first time. And may they find you. For you say, if you seek me with all of your heart, you shall find me. Lord, I pray that promise would be realized in our lives this week. Let's stand together. I'm just gonna ask you to bow your heads for a moment and reflect on the things that we've discussed this morning as our instrumentalists pray, play, and pray. If you're here this morning, you say, I've never really sought the Lord with that kind of intensity, but I know I've got issues in my life that I really can't get a hold of. I don't have that joy unspeakable. I don't have that peace that passes understanding. Maybe that's you this morning and you want to pursue it. Maybe you, make, maybe you need to make a commitment this week to fast as much as you can. Whatever the need is, I pray that you would pursue him with all of your hearts.